Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. What is up, Super Nintendos? Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 676. I'm your host, Rebecca Valentine, subbing in for Seth Macy while he recovers from Gamescom with a much-needed vacation. I am joined here in the San Francisco studio by the wonderful Jada Griffin. Hello. I love your excitement. I want to bottle it. I freaking love doing this podcast every week, Jada. <laughs> I'm also 
also joined by surprise. He came on the Nintendo podcast. It's Ryan McCaffrey. I parachute in every so often, <laughs> usually to talk about Mario games on this podcast, because that's that's my favorite thing on the Nintendo platforms is I'm a Mario guy. It's a really great reason to show up. And we are joined remotely by industry legend Kat Bailey. Hello, Ryan. I'm surprised you found time with Starfield managing to drop. Well, we recorded a big old long podcast unlocked episode re just reacting to our thoughts on the game. So that's out if you want to check that out. But yeah, uh, after this, I'm going to try to finish up my work as quickly as possible so I can go play more Starfield. <laughs> but no Starfield here. Instead, we're going to talk about a sea of stars. Oh, yeah, that was a good joke. <laughs> that I'm was proud a of really that one. good segue. <laughs> we have brought a wonderful guest. Uh, it is Thierry Boulanger uh, from Sabotage Studio to talk about Sea of Stars before we talk about Mario Wonder. Thierry, thank you for joining us. Hello. Well, yeah, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here with you. Thierry, uh, you're, you're the star for the first half of this show. So I'd love to just sort of start this podcast off. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and sabotage. What makes a Thierry? What'd you eat for breakfast? Like, who are you? Sure. Uh, well, so well, I usually skip breakfast, um, but <laughs> I, oh my god! But uh, yeah, well, except for coffee without milk. But um, oh, no, well, I got uh, so, it <laughs> right here. <laughs> oh yeah, well, there you go. Uh, no, so for me, well, so I've I've been making video games for uh, I'm about to celebrate 15 years in in the dang congratulations. Uh, so for <laughs> thank you. So for the first eight years, I was uh, a gameplay programmer. I wanted to become a game designer, but I. My read of the, the game designers that I was looking up to uh, growing up was it seemed to me like you go in through one of the crafts and then eventually you get enough of an understanding of the production floor and you feel ready to maybe call some shots, you know, uh, because another thing that you learn on the production floor is that a bad vision call will really, you know, derail a team. Uh, and so, yeah, after a while, I, I uh, pitched my ideas to my employer who said, uh, I think we would rather have you keep coding. Uh, so I, th I realized I needed my own studio if I was going to make my own ideas. And so uh, in 2016, founded Sabotage. Uh, the idea was to go from retro aesthetics, but modernize uh, a bunch of the systems and the gameplay and everything to, in short, make games that are as good as our memories of retro games. <laughs> um, so pruning, you know, kind of keeping what, what aged well and rethinking maybe what didn't uh, to try to present to, you know, modern day players a distill of what we feel was great or made these games uh, sing. So our first game, The Messenger, came out in 2018. It was a, a action platformer uh, that kind of flips on its head to become a Metroidvania yeah. that you've been playing a linear portion of, yeah, hidden plain sight all along, kind of. Um, yeah, and then that, that, that worked out well enough that we were able to grow the team and then move on to the next idea, uh, which was to make our own turn-based RPG, uh, heavily inspired by uh, a Super Mario RPG, for like timing hits, yeah. gameplay mm -hmm. input and things like that. And a bit of a wacky world as well. Um, and also obviously Chrome Trigger, which from, from a lot of the presentation and the seamlessness mm -hmm. of, you know, no combat on the world map and, and you know. So anyway, I, I could go on, but that's, that's basically the gist of it. And here we are, it just released after five years after pitching it to the team we uh, 
we're here. It launched uh, two days ago. Yeah, congratulations. I, me, myself, Thank Jada, you. and Kat have all been playing it. Uh, I'm I'm about 13 hours in. Just as a disclaimer for anybody oh, listening, great. so first half of this episode is going to be focused on Sea of Stars. Uh, I know a lot of people are very, like, they, they super don't want spoilers. So if you just want to know literally nothing about Sea of Stars, because you're going to play it yourself, uh, skip to the halfway mark. We're going to talk about the Super Mario Brothers Wonder Direct and the preview that just went up today, and you can listen to that discussion. Uh, we will be talking about Sea of Stars here uh generalities we're not going to spoil anything for you but you know we might talk about the first three characters that you get very very early on in the game or some real broad basics of what the plot just fundamentally is stuff you'd like read in a game manual or find on the back of the box so we won't spoil anything deep for you but if you just really don't want to know anything you can skip the discussion uh but we'll keep it light so uh jada cat sea of stars uh what do you think how far are you i i think i'm right around you uh you said you're about 13 hours and i think i'm I'm somewhere around 14 15 hours so i'm not much further Uh, i just got to the point where not wanting to spoil anything, but you know, the point in an RPG where things kind of open up and you can sort of explore a little more freely than yeah, that, you were earlier. That's exactly where I'm at. You yeah. know, kind of, I kind of hit that first kind of, kind of dungeon kind of experience yeah, that yeah. you get. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, definitely gave me a little bit of Zelda vibes where you get this ability. And it's like, oh, now I can use this to solve the puzzles that I saw. Um, and I was like, I didn't know this game was going to have this. I really like this. Yeah. Because I've been missing that. You know, I've talked about, you know, how I miss the traditional Zelda format since we went to Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. And so this kind of brought it back for me. And I was like, yes, I get my RPG and I get my Zelda mechanics. Like this is uh, like a PB&J sandwich for me. Like this is perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm freaking loving it. And I think that just the writing is so smart. It's like the animations that go along with it are just excellent. And I like, I find myself smiling and laughing even when there's no like, you know, audible dialogue, just the, the characters interacting with each other. It's just so, so wonderful. Garl. Garl is Garl. great. Garl is Garl wonderful. Is joy. My warrior yeah. cook friend. <laughs> I love him so much. How about you, Cat? Yeah, Cat. I'm not nearly as far as either of you, though I do have Garl in my party. Uh, Thierry, I was a big fan of The Messenger when it first came out, and I gave it a very good review on US Gamer RIP. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that stands out to me about The Messenger versus Sea of Stars is that The Messenger was definitely an ode to Sega Genesis visuals, whereas Sea of Stars definitely, it's more evocative of, say, the, the softer, more colorful 16-bit visuals. Mm. And I'm I'm curious, like, how hard was it to kind of uh, go from one to the next? Because they're very different. Mm. Right, right. Well, I, I can't speak, you know, directly to to the art because I don't do any of the the pixel art. You know, we just have people who, who work on that full time and they refine and and. Uh, but what I can, what I was able to see, uh, you know, on the team, people working on it, is there was really this concerted effort <clears throat> to really capture the essence. And we, for sure, you're correct about the the genesis. That was true for the audio as well, right? The the sound bank that that Eric worked with uh, for the soundtrack. <clears throat> but in terms of the visuals with Sea of Stars, we really refined and did iterations until it felt more like a Super NES, you know, inspiration as, as the, the base to use. But also making it colorful was, was a because in the end, it's, 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 a, it's about the game feeling like a, a day off 
during your childhood, you know, is what we mm. tried to kind of capture. And so those colors and, and the idea that there w should be some whimsicality to, to everything that you do. Uh, yeah, it was very core to it. So co color played a, a big role for sure. Yeah. Makes me think a little bit about Shovel Knight when it first came oh. out and how it was specifically pitched as sort of a eight or even 16 bit tribute mm. uh, to classic platformers, but heightened and Sea of Stars mm. definitely feels like a heightened 16 bit experience, maybe 24 bit, 16 mm. and a half, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> right. Right, for sure, and especially with the the because we have dynamic lighting in the game, which is mm. something that that you would obviously that would never run, you know, on on assembly code on on a Super NES. Uh, but it, to tell the story, you know, of the, the 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 moon and the sun coming together and those children having this the, these, you know, uh, wrangling light to do magic spells and all, um, we kind of needed that. Uh, to also be in the environments and in the puzzles that we use, having the light and the shadows and all. But, so yeah, we push it a little bit, but we always take a step back if it kind of breaks that immersion that like, oh, I can't pretend that I'm 10 anymore with my big shirt over my <laughs> knees. <you know? laughs> I, I, I do. Like that you mentioned, I love that he mentioned the, the, the lighting because it's, and that thing, mm -hmm. Terry, that you were saying about, about trying to make the game look like what you remember. Yes. Yes, like, I think we all have the same brain, but yeah, 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 yeah. that's such a such a smart way to go. Like, I feel like the the two D HD games that Square's done, Octopath, mm -hmm. which I I adore that art God, style yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Like, that's such a good example of it. I mean, that's I I I I just wonder where how how do you sort of define the parameters of that? I know I know again you're. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not the the first person on the ground in terms of the art, but um, mm. but even from the from the programming sense, design sense, like you know, if you, if you're trying to make this sort of retro styled game, there must mm. be temptations along the way to 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 go oh, yeah. grab some like <laughs> modern thing that you know you could do, but it might break the the sort of 16-bit vibe you're going for. There's. The thing is, and you're right, and there's even like shortcuts that we can't use. Like we go out of our way really often because can, the engines, they, they try to do too much, right? They're not uh, pixel based. Your code doesn't run like per frame. It's a lot now in a separate loop. You have multi-threading now. There was just something about these games that, you know, was closer to a, a toaster than a, than a PS5, right? The NES. And so, <laughs> and so now we have all these tools and everything wants to do easing for you and it wants to smooth out the image for you. And we need to walk all these things back to keep yeah. it kind of like have the rough pixels because that's that's where it feels right for us and in terms of dungeon design and enemy placement and groups like that that's one example from 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 messenger was we're never going to have like a screen with 25 enemies right because right. just NES game never they never did that so it, it would not make it would feel out of place in the on the timeline of where we're trying to kind of you know, imprint this thing that we're making. And so the same happens with the enemy varieties and, and the length of some of the dialogue and the complexity of some of the systems. It's always about keeping it light. We're trying to distill and always kind of keep the thing, keep the thing going. One thing we can afford though is we have more, we have more, just more memory, more space for a big build, right? Yeah. We're not stuck on a on a cartridge having to cut Singing Mountain and the best track on the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. <laughs> Heck yeah, but, <laughs> you know. But so, so we can do what we can do is we kept the idea of we, there will be 
very little to no reuse. And so in terms of the environment art that we do, it's not like, cool, we made a tree, now we can use a tree you know, everywhere. And so we're keeping these biomes very small and very self-contained. It's like you, you did the forest, that's it. That, that was the forest in this game. You know, we mm-hmm. did the marsh, that's the marsh. We did the cemetery, that's the cemetery. We don't, you know, we don't let everything bleed into all the all the areas. And so the idea was to create all these pockets of, of these little moments that you feel like, oh, we had this adventure, this fantasy, now we move on to the next one. <clears throat> so that's something that wouldn't also wouldn't run on a on a sort of a, on an older console older system an older game if you will Thierry I'm so glad you're here because now I get to selfishly insert uh one of my favorite games into the conversation that I try to insert into Mm. as many conversations as possible so we've talked about Chrono Trigger a lot uh but to me this game gives mega golden sun Mm -hmm. vibes uh especially (laughs) in the environment design like Chrono Trigger Mm. the the dungeons were mostly just kind of like these mazes with occasional treasure chests and stuff there weren't Mm. there weren't gobs of like environmental puzzles but Sea of Stars feels like it has more of a golden sun feel and that there there's like cool things happening in the environment and blocks to push and things to climb and all these other stuff mm. it is was that among the inspirations were you thinking of it am i am i totally crazy here no absolutely it, it was it was one of the core <clears throat> it was one of the core like pillars of the game is that everything that we we just all put it under the umbrella of like traversal you know like so yeah. a, a world you can touch is something we kept on repeating you know instead of you're not like on your catwalk and 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 then the art is around you you know it's like no you you actually go and interact with everything uh the the click moment i had when it comes to that it was a very long time ago but it's the first time i played illusion of gaia and you just you're 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 in your classroom at first and then you go up on the roof or at least i did you can i guess you can make a right but i went for the roof and then you just jump down and just that moment of, yeah. of like you know, it's not like a big arrow that's locking my character in, in, in something. It, it it felt so diegetic, so natural, so organic. You just just getting to jump down. It's like, how can we push this idea even further? And then, yeah, of course, uh, Golden Sun is another great example. Just the the hopping off, you know, from one yep. one pillar to another and things like that. And 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 I also heard a mention of of classic Zelda dungeon design. That was certainly this idea of of you know, you see something out in the world, you you, you can't interact with it yet. You enter a dungeon, <clears throat> you see this annoying thing that you can't do anything about eventually you're stuck on in a dead end you have to open a big chest then you start you have this empowering thing of like you know taking all the boxes of all these things you can do and then when you come back out you now have this and you can go back for an optional chest if you want and it's also paced you know moving forward yeah in puzzles and whatnot yeah it's 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 a cliche but it's such a pleasant one and it's one that sea of stars leans into where you're going through and like you see like the first one is you start seeing like these big green crystals in the way like all Mm -hmm. the time and you're like Mm -hmm. okay i know it i'm gonna get something that's gonna help me deal with these when am i gonna (laughs) get it and then you walk into the room and you see the big chest and you're like there it Mm. is yes finally (laughs) that's a trope i hope never dies in games it's it's a really good one yeah Mm -hmm. i remember Uh, when you first i remember when you first revealed this game you first announced it with the beautiful piece of key art and everything and this was mm. i think 2018 2019 and then there was Uh, a very early 2020 yeah yeah a little early 2020 and something happened around that time Mm -hmm. and I'm just wondering, can you talk a little bit about grappling with development on this very ambitious mm. game uh, during that time? What, Aside mm. from having to deal with remote work, what were some of your biggest challenges 
in mm-hmm. making this, uh, especially amid very challenging circumstances? Sure, yeah. Well, the, the first very challenging thing was that we were going, so the moment we, we wanted to announce <clears throat> was on the spring equinox, you know, it's kind of cute, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of on brand. And it would it was also going to be the, I believe, the Thursday of GDC. Oh yeah, that's going to be in, GDC. In You're going to do a yeah. hands-on or something like that. Yeah. Exactly, and so yeah, so you know, we rent the the suite uh, close to the the Moscow, and it's like, oh, we're going to have you know press rolling in, ready to give the pitch to everyone and have these moments, answer all the questions, have a hands-on like preview of a of the vertical slice, and then yeah, of course, like <laughs> you know, a week a week before we 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 hear that a GDC is canceled, you don't yeah. get to go. And then it's like, oof, you know, because we're launching a Kickstarter the day that we're revealing and everything hinges on that. And now it's like, ooh, now it's officially locked down worldwide acceptance or at least in North America. And so it's like, okay, do we still do it? You know, we're a very small team uh, and everything hinges on it. You only get like the the one opportunity to, to kind of reveal your thing. Um, and so we shot a... a, a the, the the pitch in video form at the studio and then we booked all of the appointments that we had we tried to do as many as we could it was on still on skype back then that was before any like zoom yeah. call or, or things <laughs> like that um and so yeah and so from there we, we we decided to still go for it but it was very scary and 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 then well to to your so we were blessed with a very overwhelmingly positive response uh so we reached our goal we exceeded our goal uh, which which allowed us to kind of okay cool that that gives us that social proof you know that we can now do have negotiations with with uh, publishers who are coming to us because they've seen that there's hype for what we're proposing um, and yeah from there we just figured out the remote work pipeline but that bit I would I would say was was really easy because we're a small team as everyone is super self driven and and we kind of each own our own. Uh, parts anyway and the way that we work we're kind of like a we're a bit more of a flat organization like I'm the CEO of the company but I don't have my own office I'm just on the floor with everyone and I only use the the crown to to you know enforce that we keep everything even is the way that we approach things and so <clears throat> everyone is already like own, owning their parts and so we, we just we did what we would do in person but if each from our own places we didn't really see a, I would say we didn't really see an impact on either velocity or quality or anything yeah. Well, I backed it on Kickstarter, and, and now I've, I've been following along on all the updates, and I, I've got my Steam code now from, from back in the game, and I think this is going to be an awesome travel Steam Deck oh, game. I, yeah. That's how I've been that's, playing oh. it pretty much exclusively. It's amazing on the deck. It does it's does such a great job, and it doesn't drain the battery, which is awesome, nice. so it means you can get plenty of hours on the Steam Deck. I love it. Also on that Switch OLED screen with all those colors. Yeah. Oh it Gosh. It feels... I mean, okay, look, I sorry to keep bringing up Golden Sun. But I played Golden Sun on so many road trips <laughs> on my Game Boy Advance, little handheld screen, and Nintendo Switch and portable. Just I don't know. Never apologize for bringing up one of I'm your favorite games. For... Never apologize for like for just shining. <laughs> um, I want to sneak in a couple listener questions if that's okay. And conveniently, we have one that addresses a topic that we absolutely have to talk about. Uh, this is from Robin Friend. Uh, what was your reaction when you learned that Yasunori Mitsuda was interested in composing several tracks for Sea of Stars? Because dang that music. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that last, the end of the sentence I may have just added. Uh, <laughs> the whole soundtrack is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> when we, so the way it worked is we, we reached out, because because that's the dream, right? 
Yeah. And 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 it had been for a couple of years because I since 2017 I had been sort of well you know how it is right you go to GDC you kind of have these meetings like about what you you might want to do next or whatever and you meet some people that are like hey we can we can get composers like that's kind of our business do you want to and it's like oh yeah can 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 we get Mitsuda and and I I always got like just a wall you know it was like well oh. no not not well no not like I can have anyone. Oh, I should have said except for him because <laughs> you should know not to ask for this guy. And so, but it turned out that it was actually like really easy. I, we sent an email to his studio and uh, with a pitch deck and samples of what our own composer had done. And he replied that he was interested. And so we just started looking at everything like, okay, here's how much room we we might want to give a guest composer yeah. it would be up to so it will depend like to the players that might not feel like 12 tracks because but but in production they are because we have day and night versions of everything yeah so 12 tracks is the total but they they it might feel like then for for players but and so like we could we would want to go up to 12 you know and but we can only do the one and we'd be over the moon and and he basically said yes to all 12 which yeah, no idea what what he saw or why he said yes. Was it a timing thing? Did he see something in the pitch deck or or we know he liked the the messenger, uh, so that that probably helped as well. But no, that has been absolutely uh, surreal and a cause for uh, many many tears. Yeah, that had to just give an incredible jolt of of momentum to the team when that when that yes oh, yeah. came through. That's got to mm-hmm. just pump everybody mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I gotta yeah. say the the stuff the uh, the rest of the soundtrack is none too shabby either. I was I I like playing so I like playing a game with myself when there's a guest composer of like trying to see can I identify mm-hmm. what you know wh- wh- which of these mm. tracks are his and uh, there there's like I haven't I haven't checked myself fully yet but there's like a couple where I'm like oh that is a specific like sound font that he used in Chrono Cross I'm pretty sure this one's his mm. but I found out that. Uh, What's the the tr- the track that plays in the water area very early on with all the oh, yeah. waterfalls and stuff? The, I found- the coral cascades. Coral cascades. Yeah. I I found out that was his, and I mm-hmm. had no idea because it like felt so seamless with the rest of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I I thought that mm-hmm. that was just one of the original ones. So I all of the music. Yeah. No. I've been. It's oh, yeah. been headphones on for me the whole time playing this. The soundtrack for this game is a complete vibe. Like I oh, just I just can sit there and just listen the to the music. Theme? The battle theme is so great. Like, it just does such a really good job. And, like, the battles are generally pretty quick, which yep. is, I love. Um, but, like, sometimes I find myself just kind of chilling there. Like, I really just love, like, not really contemplating my action. I know what I'm going to do, but it's just because I want to wait for that next yeah. beat to hit. And I'm like, all right, now we attack. There we go. Yeah. I think the absolute most important thing in an RPG is for battles to be done relatively quickly, like under 30 seconds. If you go any mm. longer than that, it starts mm. to get monotonous, kind of a drag. So, mm. uh, and Sea of Stars does hit that mark. I think they're oh, well. they're a lot of fun, and um, the action, the 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 button inputs, the the interaction with it works really well. I think. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of speed, I'm going to sneak in mm. one more listener question before we have to move on. Um, I I really like this one from Charlie Gardner. Is there such thing as too long of an RPG? And how do you balance the story that you want to tell while keeping the expected length in check? Asking in part because I love the look of Sea of Stars, but also recognize that my time is limited right now as a new father and not sure if I will have time to complete it. Um, I will say for Charlie, uh, I, again, the reason why I really want to do this question is I looked up Sea of Stars on how long to beat. Uh, like between 25 to 30 hours i was so happy that's yep. like 
perfect. Yeah, that's that's literally the perfect like sweet spot for RPGs nowadays. Yeah, but uh, Tiri, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So, so here's one thing that's actually a bit, a bit, a bit. I don't know if it's funny or what, but I, because I, I didn't look any of this up before writing the script or doing the skeleton of like all the dungeons and all the bosses and everything that happens. But I looked it up when we were done, and we are within a few units in terms of both word count and amount of bosses. Wow. To Chrono Krieger, which was not wow. by it wasn't a metric that wow. we started from. Right. But the the one thing is, as as some might infer a little bit from from our friend Garl there, I I I was trained as a cook first. I, I was a cook for a few years before I was like ready to Ooh. go to school to do something that I thought my my brain couldn't do. But um, I I and and one thing one key takeaway that i had was as long as there is water there is sauce right that's something that that a chef will teach you yeah. <laughs> you know when you're in the rush you're running out of something now there's water left so you can you can still dilute you can still add you can still and so that was a great takeaway right which is you can do that but you also also it's a last resort and so the the approach in in designing our games is always to distill rather than dilute and so to the question of how long it is uh, um it's it's for us, it's it's mostly making sure that every beat and every moment is actually like meaningful and engaging, and and you feel like it was worth it was worth your 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 time. Uh, and so what we usually do is uh, um, we will have most of the dungeons. Level designer just goes, does blocking, tries ideas for puzzles and everything, and almost every single dungeon in the game we ended up cutting about thirty percent. Oh wow! It's kind of wow. like the tight five idea you know if you will wow. of like you're doing stand-up comedy and you're just like trying and you're only keeping you're always keeping only the best ideas or like the things that really work out every single time so yeah it, and for us it's not that we were like oh 30 percent of the work was done that it shouldn't have been done no it's that by not feeling this limitation like thr trusting that we will cut later if we need to or wherever we need to, it kind of lets you flow with the ideas a bit more because you're not worrying about, I need to make the definitive version of every single thing all right. the time. And then you feel mm -hmm. this blank page because it's not quite good enough or whatever. And so we just play off of each other like that in production where it's like, okay, here's like a first version of something. Oh yeah, this kind of feels good. I'm not sure about this one. And sometimes we go from scratch. Sometimes we, we remove half of it. Sometimes we we elevate or emphasize a thing that really worked or we add more anticipation to a payoff and things like that. And so we really treated... Uh, every screen, like one one by one, every single thing that you interact with was looked at uh, probably too many times, but <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, the result is that I, you know, again, 13 hours in, uh, I I don't know. I, I feel res I feel my time is respected. Yes. I, Great. It doesn't feel like blow. Yeah. I feel I, I think RPGs can tend to feel a little bloated mm -hmm. uh, in mm -hmm. the year of our Lord 2023. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> the know. year of RPGs. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to I want to crowbar in one more quick question for yeah. Terry's. Uh, are you a developer that likes to read reviews? Because the reviews for this have been incredibly mm -hmm. good. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if you're somebody mm -hmm. that would just rather not look at them or or if you mm -hmm. like reading every word and and either. <laughs> Way, I'm kind of curious how you're feeling about about the reception of the game. That uh, if you were, you know, yeah, you, know, you could if you were confidently like if you really thought it, it was going to be as good, or if you're surprised at all. I'm, I'm always mm -hmm. curious to hear how developers, uh, from coming from somebody that writes reviews mm -hmm. of other people, you know, that's critiquing other people's work. I always like hearing mm -hmm. from the from the person being critiqued. 
Right, right, right. Well, so I'll, I'll, my main thing is I'll have some reviewers. I don't want to make this awkward, but Kat is one of them where I, I, <laughs> I really, I agree with them on what is or isn't, or, you know what I mean? Like yeah, we kind of have, the, I feel with, like we're yeah. kindred spirits in terms of like intricacies and like what's annoying, what's, it's okay. Cause it's part of the game language or whatever. That's how most people should <clears throat> and read so, reviews. Yep. No, yeah. You so, gotta find the ones you align with. Right, right. Exactly. And so I tend to want to read those right mm -hmm. because i'll be like oh did did it come across what i meant because i know that you are supposed to see it <laughs> if i if we did our job properly and then well yes of course we're, we're we're you know our job is to provide entertainment so there is this hope that as a whole you know people are feeling like oh yeah this was a welcome addition to my life it gave me a good time and i'm, I'm glad i spent my friday night you know <clears throat> escaping in in that way um so yeah, we'll look at the general scores and I will especially read uh, the worst ones mm. to try to understand like what are the things that didn't really click? Are they like, I mean, if we made an apple and you don't like apples, I mean, then there's no, that's still what we're right. making, you know, but if we made an apple and you're seeing a banana, it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Okay. So you're saying that we got the color wrong. We got, we got the, the, the shape wrong. We got, you know, and so maybe now there's something that I can understand. How can we communicate better to increase the odds that more people will see what we meant? show um so yeah that's pretty i don't mean to not answer the question the, the answer is yes i do read reviews uh, but but um especially the bad ones to try to have like takeaways Boy, that, that to me that's a really evolved answer like, so, no, I that love was an that. excellent that response the apple, mm, the apple analogy yeah is really like good. that's uh i don't know if i would have the if i would be like emotionally strong enough to be able to do that if somebody were reviewing you know if a it's bunch hard. of people were reviewing something i did it is it's hard, so it's hard. It's hard to make that. art in like a public a very public way and and have people mm. like tell you what they think of your art i mean it's it's not horribly dissimilar to reading a comment section but You're, maybe maybe oof. slightly different because you have somebody who's spent you know hours and hours and hours oh, and i think hours it's pretty different from yeah. reading a comment well, section you're, no it's... certainly but but there's still sort of this you know innate curiosity what do people think of the thing that i made yeah there's but, there's this mm. emotional like kind of rawness to it when you're yeah, when yeah, you yeah. put something that you've invested a large amount of effort into out into the world and have for anybody with a computer to judge essentially mm. uh you know it's it it takes a lot of a lot of strength to do that so mm. you know kudos well, and yeah again great response that was fantastic <laughs> i I might steal that one not gonna be not even gonna lie <laughs> cool well Thierry, i'm finding a lot of joy in the art that you made for us so thank oh, you very thank much you. and thank you for joining us to talk about sea of stars mm. and also to talk about super mario brothers wonder which our good friend Ryan previewed for us. Oh, hi. Hi. Hey. What's going on? Let's uh, talk about Super Mario. Yeah, so as, as the previews editor here at IGN, all, all pre-release coverage in whatever form it takes runs up through me. So uh, between that and having been at IGN for a while, every now and again, I can an opportunity will come along where Flex. I can just go... <laughs> I'll I'll just take that myself. I'll hand, I'll handle this. I'll handle this personally. Not yeah. even gonna. Not a, he emails like everybody for a bunch of them. It's like these. I didn't even see an email for Mario. Ryan was like, I'm no, not to even. To be gonna... fair, I did. I did <laughs> see a, a few other folks um, because you know I'm not sort of one of the normal Nintendo crew, but I do love. I, I mean, I've grown up with Mario. The original. Yeah. I'm old. The original Super Mario Brothers was my first video game ever, and I've just always loved the big Mario, main, the mainline Mario games, both 2D and 3D, ever since. And 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 from 
from the moment that Wonder was unveiled at the Direct in June, mm. I was just taken aback. Like this, it it was so beautiful with with all the cute, awesome little animations and <sighs> and the Wonder effects. I was just, I, I mean, it it just it knocked me over in the best of ways. And uh, you know, because I know coming out of that, the the conversation seemed to be more about the super mario rpg remake yes and i feel like but kind of since then wonders picked up some more steam and now everybody's kind of paying attention to it and yeah. and uh, everybody watched the that 15 minute direct today which which shows off uh a lot of of the joy of this this game i i got to play it for about an hour and you can read or watch the preview that i put together on ign i also had the privilege of of sitting down with uh with Mori-san and Tezuka-san, the director and producer, respectively, of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. And, you know, Nintendo was kind enough to send along a couple, uh, just bios of each guy ahead of time. Because, you know, Googling them, but, you know, Nintendo, uh, you guys know better than anybody, they, they normally, they don't really, it's, it's, it's just a different thing than most of the West, where... Nintendo doesn't put their developers, especially on these yeah. big mainline games, out for to talk to very often yeah, like we yeah. don't get to hear from them and so when i had the added opportunity to, to do the interview i i jumped at mm -hmm. that because interviews yeah. are some of my favorite things to do at ign and and tezuka-san in particular well maurice-san the director has been at nintendo since 1997 he's yeah. worked on some 2d zeldas for ds and 3ds uh and he directed now I'm blanking on it, but it was either, I want to say, it was either maybe New Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario Brothers U, but he's directed one of the, the console um, 2D Mario games. This year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals, so I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener, I went to watch it and boom, Blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um, 
unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And then Tezuka-san, uh, when I read, I just, I, I was, my like jaw hit the floor when I read his bio. He's been at Nintendo since 1984. Wow. Mm -hmm. He worked on the original Super Mario Brothers as a designer and producer. Wow. He also was a designer and producer on the original Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past. So, like, this dude, like, the, what a, a resume that no, it's three, three Hall of Fame games yeah. at the top the, of your resume. The pedigree yeah, it's play like, there. So I was Genuine so legend. Yeah, I was so excited to talk to both of these guys, and uh, there's a... So it was a 45 minute chat and there's some it's really some, good uh, interview. Some stories that are on IGN that that Reb and Kat helped me help me get together and get on the site and I think we're going to put up the entire interview yes. just in its transcribed form. Uh, Everybody go read it. It's really good. But so there's some really fascinating insights to that but but kind of getting back to the game itself. Yeah, I uh, playing this was uh was delightful. I mean, it's as delightful as the game looks. Would you say it was wonderful? No. Uh, I'm going uh, <laughs> to be one of those people that does that. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll phrase it this way, which is how I said it at the end of my preview, is I think if they had wanted to, and I actually did ask Tezuka-san and Mori-san this, and their answer was, was, was fun, but I, if they would have called this game... If, if, if instead of Super Mario Brothers Wonder coming up as the name of this at the end of that unveil trailer, if it had said Super Mario Brothers 4, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Like, the, even, with, even though that would have come with so much baggage, yeah. this really feels like the next big, awesome step forward for 2D Mario games. Yeah. Now, again, I only got to play an hour. It was mostly early stage stuff. They skipped us ahead a little bit to a couple of uh, slightly later stages, but... Yeah, it's just a treat, and the this is like the most um, multiplayer tastic Mario game that's probably <laughs> ever been made. Like, there are twelve player online friend rooms in this. There are you know, there's four player online co op with up to two per console. So there and the the you know they they really tried to make the multiplayer stuff seamless. They did stuff like uh, you don't bump into each other. You know yeah. it's just sort of you're running around together, but it's you're you're just ghosts basically. To the amount of times I got pushed into lava and in, right. Mm -hmm. like, so they they tried to just make it like literally remove the friction from the multiplayer side of it uh, when it comes to online. So yeah, I I really the uh, I asked the two developers about the the origin of this, like because I, I, I was curious again. We never get to hear from Nintendo developers like this. So when you're working on a, 
uh, the next big 2D Mario game. Like, where does the idea come from? Where does it start? And they talked about how they had an idea. There was an idea for the wonder effects so that they could maybe just transport you somewhere else. And then Tezuka-san, the like super decorated veteran was like, well, well, no, that's why would we take you somewhere else? That's just that seems like we're just kind of taking you to another level. Let's have it all on the same stage. So transform the whole stage. And then he's and then Tezuka-san said to Mori-san, well, well, we can't just do this. The, the original idea was to was to do the wonder effects for a few stages. Mm-hmm. And then Tezuka-san's like, well, no, we got to we got to do this on all the stages. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it evolved. And then they solicited mm-hmm. ideas for wonder effects from the development team. And they got back a total list of like a thousand plus ideas and whittled it down. And this thing, uh, yeah, it's to me, Mario games, both 2d and 3d, meaning the mainline ones, uh, which are the ones I really love the most. They find a way every single time to just exude joy and that's what I uh, just love the most about Mario games is they're fun and they're joyous and they can be challenging if you want them to. And Wonder just has, seems to be doing that all over again uh, in a in a you know a way that evolves what we've seen before. So it's it's awesome so far, but there's so much more to see than what I saw. Oh yeah, I know we talked a what little is- bit about like the online earlier and stuff, uh, but like. I love that you mentioned how they did it ghosts to kind of remove the friction because I don't think anything would frustrate me more in a Mario game than like an internet connection kind of skipping for a second, lagging for a second, and that person like bumping me into a lava pit or whatever. So I love that they're doing ghosts with that. I think that is the like one of the most ideal ways to do a platformer with online co-op. We were saying on the reaction to the direct earlier today that uh, it, it felt very from soft of them, like between the standees and the ghosts and Mm -hmm. kind of the different little, like the, like the, was it Kat? You said asynchronous communication. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, and it's, this is, it's not like I'm not trying to say, and I don't think anybody would is interpreting it this way, but it's not like Nintendo's inventing this, right? Like, no, we've seen yeah. this before, going yeah, back sure. to like like Trials HD, going oh, yeah. many yep. years, but but it's it's really nicely and and seamlessly uh, integrated integrated here, yeah. which yeah. I like. Uh, Terry, what thoughts, questions, Mario Wonder? You watched the direct this morning. Oh yeah, I, I did, and uh, no, I'm I'm super excited. I I like the what Ryan's saying that like is it Super Mario Brothers four? That would have been so so bold and and so so cool. But also, I agree. Like I I can feel this way by looking at this. It's such a good iteration, and everything that they're adding. My only thing I raised an eyebrow at was when they first mentioned online in the direct, <laughs> but then they started explaining like everything that it did, and and it was just growing on me. And I was like, oh, this is yeah, this is amazing. No, I'm just <laughs> way too excited for this. I'm just happy our game is out. I'll get the <laughs> get some meaningful playtime. You know, I'll I'll be able to yeah. No, it looks amazing. Siri, I mean, you have a love for retro games, and you you made a platformer in the past. And I'm just wondering, what's your relationship to the, the Mario games, and how do you think Mario Wonder compares? Uh, well, the main one for me will always be three Super Mario Hell Brothers yeah. three. It's, it's the go. one. Good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, and I, I I have to beat this game uh, no flute uh, a few times every year. It's just I don't know. It's kind of a happy place. <laughs> um, and I still learn new things. I, I learned uh, recently that when with the Tanuki suit, when you turn into a statue, did you know that you can kill fire with that? 
Like the flamethrowers and the flying ships, I didn't know that. And I was like, you get points. I'm like, can I line them up? Can I do the points keep stacking? And it's like, I don't know. This game just keeps just keeps on giving. Uh, no, obviously Mario is is uh, everything they did. You know, Mario 65. I mean, all of them, all the way to, to Odyssey is just uh, they keep showing us the way it seems. Right? It it, yeah. it kind of has this responsibility of like, okay, everyone, here's like we're we're done you know, reconvening, here's the here's the next thing. Here's how we take things further. Here's how we stay true to it being, in the end, a game, right? Uh, while also bringing new stuff. And so, no, I'm just I'm just r- ready to, like, sit down and be like, okay, show me, tell me. I'm, I'm ready to take it all in. I think that's a big reason why I've personally just continued to love the mainline Mario games over the years is because every single one whether it's 2D or 3D, particularly, I mean, more recently, recent years, the 3D ones, but they, Mario reinvents himself every time mm-hmm. in, in terms of, again, the mainline Mario games. You know, we got a million Mario spinoffs, but, but yeah, and, and Wonder feels like another great, like, next step evolution. In fact, I did get to my last question, because I, I, I probably had an hour to an hour and a half's worth of questions prepped for uh, Mori-san and Tezuka-san. But I, I you know, again, this rare opportunity to sit with, and talk with, with two ultra-decorated veteran Nintendo developers. So I asked them both, what is your favorite 2D Mario game of all time? Ooh. And you can't say Wonder. Ooh. You can't say the one you're working on now. And Mori-san, the director... Um, who's you know a little younger? He's been there since '97, so he's certainly he's he's got a quite a resume himself. He said Super Mario Brothers one, like great full, yep. full respect. But then Tezuka-san, the aforementioned OG developer of of the original Super Mario Brothers and and Zelda and Link to the Past, and he goes, he, so he says. Right away, no hesitation. He's like Super Mario Brothers three, and uh, wow. and we had a little like eye contact, like yes, <laughs> I'm with you moment. And and he goes, uh, he said something like, I have it, I have it like exactly written down, which you can all I guess read whenever we we put up the full thing. But he said something like, he's like, yeah, we really we really pushed ourselves super hard on that one. Like he he clearly had some sort of recollection of of. Uh, of how tough that game was. I, all I could say in response, I, I was like, well, just thank you. Cause that game's like the greatest <laughs> game of all time. Oh man. Super Mario Brothers Super 3. Mario Brothers 3 love is genuinely warming my heart because <laughs> there's been this movement to people saying Super Mario World is far superior. And I'm like, oh, okay. And okay, those people are hundred percent correct, Kat. That's that's a fine take, but <laughs> I, I all I ask is that Super Mario Brothers 3 get the respect and love that it deserves because it is a truly remarkable game. The question that I have with this game, and maybe Ryan, you can answer for me with Super Mario Wonder, is what's the exploration like? Because uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, it's really remarkable how open-ended the actual levels feel, mm-hmm. how well it you know, they incorporate verticality and like going into the sky versus going underground. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Super Mario Wonder, at least in the early stages that you got to play, managed to capture some of that feeling. It's tough to say because I, uh, with one exception, I only got to play the hand, you know, the handful of stages I got to play, I only got to play them once. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I did the, the stage that I think was in the original trailer and may have appeared in, in the direct today as well. I can't quite recall. But the the bull rush stage where you're you're mm. jumping on the backs of the the rushing they're called bull rushes B U L R U S H, 
you know, and you just you just surf on their backs, basically. I got to that one. I went back and did a second time at the end because I begged Nintendo. I was like, I, <laughs> I came all the way out to New York from San Francisco. Like, I want to play more. Uh, they, they, we had a few minutes, so they, they, we ran through that stage again. But um, but there does seem to be some of that cat in the sense of um, the reason I mentioned the bull rush thing is because that stage, if you if you get that wonder wonder flower and trigger that that bull rush stampede you they'll the bull rushes will will charge through the 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 goal pole mm -hmm. and knock it down and keep the level going mm -hmm. until like a second a new ending to the level earlier and then when i went back and did it a second time uh i just went i, I just went to the like i didn't trigger it and just went to the regular goal pole but there are there's definitely of course, you know, there's there's pipes that'll open up secrets. There's there's a lot of like hiding in plain sight secrets in this that are dependent on the different either uh, badges, the badge effects mm -hmm. or different mushrooms like the the drill mushroom that gives you the, the drill bit for a head that we saw in, in the direct mm -hmm. today where you can burrow on the ceiling. Yeah. You just go into the just ground. Tears of the kingdom. Why yeah, not? Through you, the ceiling. And work your way and, and you can, you know, go get a hidden coin or, or, you know, some other hidden thing. So it does seem like that's going to be a definite part. I mean, there's a good example of it in the footage right now if you're watching us on video. But yeah, there does seem like there's going to be a good bit of that. But I, you know, just again, being honest, I didn't necessarily see too much of that in the the early stage stuff i got to play since i only got to run each stage once yeah ryan i have a question for you uh how obvious was it to you that there was no charles martinet involved i you know i have to say whoever they got uh sounds pretty good to me yeah. i i i don't know i don't like and i'm usually i usually have a pretty good ear for that stuff and uh i I'm not sure I would have known had they not. Interesting. And, I, and I'm sure I'm going to get roasted in the comments for this. Well, no, I mean, fine. look, people were saying that they could tell, they could tell. And then the other half of us were, like, before they announced it, were going, mm -hmm. no, stop being weird conspiracy nuts about this. Yeah. He's, it's still Martinet. And then it wasn't. So, you know, it, like, it's, it is very mm -hmm. close. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, for me, I, I didn't really, deter it, it didn't really throw me off at all. I, it was, whoever they got seems to have, have, nailed it pretty well yeah um other people may feel differently and that's fine i mean this is their fly this is nintendo's flagship this is this yeah. is nintendo there's no nintendo without mario so like they're gonna they're gonna put the time and resources to oh, find yeah. the right person to take up this mantle unfortunately it's not as if in the video games mario's a particularly verbose no so, <laughs> i just you I, know you could it's easier <laughs> to even if you have a great sound alike which it i think they have uh, it's it's not as if there's a lot of dialogue to analyze and be like, oh no, that's totally not Charles. So, yeah, right. You know, it's it's if you've got to replace an iconic voice actor on the grand scale of things, this is probably one of the easier ones to replace. In the sense that, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, to Charles, but just in the sense that there's not a lot of dialogue to, right. to have to to have to worry about. Yeah, I. I did notice during the direct itself that the the little flower guys flower. they talk oh, right. Yeah. Their that's voice. one of the fun. Yeah, that's one of the fun parts weird? of it. Is it weird? So they Is actually do no. talk. Oh yeah. They do yeah. Talk, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they're fun. They have stuff to say on like every stage. Yeah, I saw people <laughs> already like 
uh, taking screen caps of those guys talking and then like blanking out the mm-hmm. speech bubble and then filling it with nonsense <laughs> to, to make silly memes. So it was like, like a, a very, yeah. very memified, uh, very memeable game as Nintendo games somehow tend to be. Yeah. Right. Nintendo trying not to trying be really hard. <laughs> they keep making silly characters. All I love the monster design too, or the like the yeah, enemy design. So There's a lot of new I, ones. I love that this is in the is in the Flower Kingdom rather than the yes. Mushroom Kingdom, just for that exact reason. Yes. We get a little little freshening of the environments. It's not the same Mushroom Kingdom type of environments that we're used to seeing. Yeah. And on the enemy designs as well. We, you know, yeah, the, the, the standbys are there. The Goombas are there. Uh, the, the Koopas are there. But yeah, you get, you, we get some new, new creatures to face off uh, as, at face off against as well. Uh, like the, the, it was in here. The, we're not, it's not on the screen right now, Those but guys. the Mawmaws, yeah. which are the like yeah. big giant <laughs> wide mouthed things that kind of slowly walk around. And if, if you catch their attention, they'll, scurry after you and open their mouths cartoonishly huge and swallow you and there was one of the last i think it was the last stage i got to play uh uh, and when i was at nintendo in new york playing it with the nintendo event which uh there's footage of it in the preview and again we may see it here too but the you hit a you hit a wonder effect and you're trans you're you and any co-op friends with you you're all transformed into goombas so (laughs) you can't attack you can't jump and you're just trying to you're sneaking through the level but the mamas are are there (laughs) but you can as the goombas you you go behind you automatically go behind any bushes or trees you have to hide from them as they uh, it's like almost a genre shift a little bit yeah a little little baby stealth gameplay there but it it's just you're it's so adorable when you're a little goomba with a mario hat and then the mamas are coming at you and you hide behind the bush and then you you keep moving it's it's just that's the kind of stuff that just brings a smile to my face and i just i love more than anything it's full of personality nintendo is all about surprising and delighting and i i don't know know, like my my dream like someday this will never happen but i would love to just especially since i don't speak japanese but uh it would be so cool to just embed like be a and a fly on the wall at Nintendo for the course of an entire like mainline oh Mario or Zelda project, be it 2D or 3D, just just to observe them. Like, yeah. how does the design process work? How like, because yeah, they, you know, you're hinting at it. They they really just it's not again. It's not like they necessarily are inventing everything every time that other developers haven't done. But right. just they're 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 execution on it execution and, and their amalgamation of of, yeah. of the ideas always comes out in this uniquely nintendo way in the in the most awesome ways yeah well friends we're out of time here no oh uh, no all right <laughs> we're all going right. for another five hours let's go you go, go. Next time, <laughs> okay um that yeah so that we we are unfortunately out of time but i'm like so stoked to see more of mario wonder because that's coming out in october uh sea of stars on the other hand is available right now on all the platforms including nintendo switch so you should totally 
check that out. Uh, before we go, uh, I do have a couple favors to ask. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, leave us a like and a nice comment including comments that say nice comment. Uh, if you're listening to us on a podcast app, please leave us a review. It helps us spread the good NVC word and we'll be forever in your debt. Uh, thank you so much, Kat and Jada, as always, for joining me. And special thanks to Ryan for coming and joining us to talk about Mario Wonder and Tiri for coming to talk about Sea of Stars. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and remember, everybody, NVC is the only place where you can get the, get the thing. thing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.